Hello, everybody. Um, we do have uh, some of our brothers and sister that are that have come back, and uh, I think they're staying with us for a short while. But I just want to recognize uh, Dennis, who's back from Portland, and um, Christine and Brandon Mounts. They're here too, right? I, I believe I saw you. Are they there? Okay. Could we just welcome them back? They've been with us for a very long time, and they had to move away, but... It's good to see you, uh, especially good to see Dennis, because uh, I've seen him play football, and I've seen some of the antics that he used to help us win uh, that, uh, that trophy when we won, yes. But uh, there's so much going on, and I don't know, Dennis, Christine, Brandon, if you, when you first came, I don't know if you've noticed, that we've changed a little bit. Uh, some things have changed, just a poco, right? But... Uh, we are still trying to do our best to follow the will of God and follow after him. Um, I do believe that worship is so important. And the fact that we are here is a testament. You know, from the very beginning of our service to the very end, every single element of our worship is so important. And so if, I just want to start off by saying, if at any point in the worship service, uh, you feel touched or you feel blessed, I would love to hear about it. And I would love to pray with you or pray for you. Um, it has recently just been a conviction of mine. Last week we had a college uh, banquet. And we went to La Fiesta in uh, Woodridge. Um, and then we were just doing what we normally do. Uh, we sang a few songs of praise. Uh, one, of the, one of it was in the wrong key, but it was okay. It was still good. And we heard the message. I thought it was a pretty good one from Joshua. And then, you know, we were about to eat. And as we were about to eat, um, the maitre d' comes to me and says, are you the pastor? And I was like, oh, yes, I am. He's like, man, is, you're doing a really good job. I was like, oh, okay, thanks, I guess. And then after a while, we began to hear, and um, Joe and Angela, they were there. One of the servers would go up to them and say, this church, what, what kind of church is it? It's a really good church. Maybe I could visit one day. And I was just thinking, this is like the picture of the church. And I was so touched. I was blown away. And, you know, we would think we're doing our normal thing. This is what we have to do, right? Sunday we have to gather, don't we? We have to start at 12. For some of us, 12.15. But seriously, worship starts at 12 o'clock. And there's a call to worship. We come inside and we greet each other. That's all part of worship, everybody. And then we say, oh, God is number one. So we come at 12 o'clock. The door is open. Okay. Anyway. And then we, have, we would do these things that we would think is habitual, Habitual, right? But then we see that God moved. And people that wouldn't normally just participate, people who were just serving food, would be blessed by it. And they would come up to us. They were, how blessed would you have to have been if you would come up to us and say, I was really blessed. Even though I'm not a part of your church. Even though I'm not Korean or Asian. <laughs> and we were just so blessed. I just wanted to share it with you. Can I be a part of this community and I was just thinking, man, indeed, just like Amy said, to God be the glory. 
Imagine every single one of our worship services from beginning to the end is just saturated with the presence of God and people who come, listen to the words, sing songs of praise, feel Him, get touched by Him and changed by God. Isn't that what worship is about? Isn't that why we're here? Because there's something bigger in life than what we've been experiencing throughout the past six days. And you've come to be touched and anointed by the Almighty. I think that's what we're about. We have to be a church about more than just ministry, more than just saying we're about this activity. We're a church that's about God. It sounds cliche, but when you keep on thinking about it, it's all about God. It's not about the pastor standing up here. It's not about the praise team. It's not about anything else. But all these elements we are here so that it could give glory to God. And do you believe it? God is already here in this place. He is here knocking on the doors of your heart. And if you want to invite him in, that's the prayer you can start out with today. God, I want to feel your presence how long has it been since I've been touched by your Holy Spirit? And I want to feel your Holy Spirit today. May that be the prayer of this church and congregation as we listen to the word. We've changed some elements around, but not a lot. Uh, one of the things that we have changed is that in the reading of scripture, we all rise together and we stand if you've ever been to a more traditional reformed service, because that's what we are. We're a reformed uh, denomination. We're a reformed church with reformed faith. I like the word reformed. But we, like, if you ever go to a more traditional one, you literally stand maybe four or five times. I get in a good workout. It's like, oh, it's box squats. And I'm just like squatting up and down in, inside worship. Uh, but... We just do it twice, once when we stand uh, for praise, once when we stand for the reading of God's word, and I guess when we close. But standing has a purpose and a meaning to it. When Handel wrote Messiah, he played it for the first time in March, I believe, 23rd, 1743, you all have Google, so you can double-check, but don't double-check now because I don't want to be corrected. But it's recorded, too, by John. John's going to come and correct me. But March 23, 1743, Handel wrote the Messiah. And then during the whole, I guess, the performance, there's a final piece called Hallelujah that everybody knows of. It goes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and now it's in like sitcoms or something like when you get a job, there's a background music that says hallelujah. But in 1743, that was the first time it was played. And what happened at that playing was remarkable because King George II, who was listening to Handel's Messiah, stood up. And that's why any time, a lot of times we hear it in Christmas time, the whole Handel Messiah, um, you know, piece. And uh, at that last part, everybody just stands up. That's because traditionally when it was first played, King George II, as soon as he heard it, he stood up. And people were like, wow, 
we have to stand up too. So everybody stood up. So now when that piece is played, everybody stands up. And now it's a modern myth that he stood up because he was so moved by emotion or he was just overcome by the greatness of the music. That is actually a myth because if you understood anything about culture at the time, kings hardly emoted in public, period. Kings did not emote. So they wouldn't do any kind of public, spontaneous display so this would be totally out of character for him to do and not normal like it is in our culture today. And secondly, standing in the, in the middle of a major performance or orchestral piece would be never encouraged. Nobody would do it and especially not the king. And there was a culture to that. You don't stand up. You listen in reverence. You just listen like a jazz piece today. You don't clap. Right? What do we do when the jazz piece is really good? You, you snap your fingers, right? Because you just don't clap. That was the kind of culture. Nobody snapped. I'm just saying they didn't, they didn't stand. And kings sit. Kings are enthroned. Subjects stand. So the king would sit. And if you're the subject, you would stand. But in this particular moment, when hallelujah was played, he stood up. And if you want to know why, you have to listen to the words. It says hallelujah. And hallelujah, that refrain is repeated. Hallelujah. 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 And then it says, for the Lord God, omnipotent, reigns. And when he heard it, he stood up. Hallelujah. For the Lord God, omnipotent, reigns. King George II knew that when this music was played, he was in the presence of someone greater than himself. He was in the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he was subject to this reign, and he stood up. And that's why when we stand up, it's not just standing up. We stand up declaring that there is a King present, and we give him glory. We give him honor, saying, God, you are here. We give you glory. We give you honor. Hallelujah. For you are the king of kings, and you are the Lord of lords. Today, I want us to talk about our mission. It's Mission Sunday. And for the next two weeks, we have a kind of congruent theme. Um, if you look at the the background and your bulletin, it's very continuous. And then you look at the lights. I thought it would be more coherent, but it, it is what it is. I, I had a vision. I was like, uh, it's like, it's not Christmas yet. So the lights are like trying to come out. It's like, let me out. I want to be Christmas. And it's like, no, stay back. Anyway, but um, I know that the, the creative team worked so hard. They worked hours upon hours for what you see here and can we just maybe take a little time to thank them for all their time hard work up until midnight uh, for hours at a time uh, our creative design team is uh, was led by Hesu thank you very much for all your hard work and we want to continue to bring everything everything subject to God glory to God the arts music whatever talent you have 
we bring it to the Lord. And so we're changing things. We're, we're doing our best. But everything is about God. Mission Sunday isn't about church mission. It's not. People think, Mission Sunday, oh, what's our mission statement? It's not. It's about God's mission for us. And for that, I want to talk about three days. Not D-A-Y-S, but D-E-I. Day meaning God in Latin. And this week, I want to talk about the Missio Day. And next week, I want to talk about the Visio Day. So next week's Vision Sunday. But before I talk about the Missio Day, which is mission, son, mission, mission of God, we need to talk about the first day, which is Imago Day. And I won't spend too much time on it. But in the Imago Day, which is the image of God, in the very beginning of the Bible, it says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the earth. And then verse 27, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So this means whether you are a woman or you are a man, whether you are a child or whether you are elderly, whether you are a baby or whether you are an adult, we were all made in the image of God. We all have the Imago Dei in us. Why is that significant? Because if we were all made in the Imago Dei, that means we all have a need to have communion with the divine. If we were made in the image of God, we all have a need to have God. And the result of sin was this. Our communion with God was broken. That's why we're suffering. That's why we're dying, literally. Our communion with God was broken when we were meant to have communion with God at all times. The Imago Dei is in each and every single person of humanity it doesn't matter who what where you are you have the imago day that's why if you believe this as a christian you treat everybody with respect everybody doesn't matter who they are and what they've done they have the imago day and so after knowing what the imago day is we go to the next day and that is the missio day and the Missio Day, the mission of God, really just means the sending of God. And to fully understand this, I would like to talk about the Trinity just really quickly. The Trinity, we believe, is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is so important for us, maybe not to fully understand, but to know. Why is this important? Because in the Bible it says God is a God of love. And this is an example I use a lot for a college. But God is a God of love. That means before anything else was created, we remember, God was before anything. Anything. He is pre-creation. He is the alpha. He is the first. 
nothing preceded him, and nothing will come after him. He is numero uno. He's number one, right? And if God is God before anything, the Bible says God is a God of love. How can that be if God existed by himself? It can't be. Unless there is something or someone to love. He could not have had love in the beginning. So any God that says we proceeded before all of creation, before anything was, and it was just one per se, because almost every religion has this one God that would create. But if that person or being was alone, that means after creation, after another being, love proceeded. But we don't believe that. And the Bible says God is love, not God brought love. God is love. And how do we understand that? We understand it in the Trinity. God is one, but God is three. Even though that didn't make full, full sense, we believe God is one and God is three. And then you understand love makes perfect sense. God is love before anything. Because within the Trinity, there was love before creation. So this God that we understand and we believe, the triune God is a God of love. But in the Missio Dei, we also understand God is a sending God. God sends. So you see the Father sends the Son. And the Son sends the Holy Spirit. And God is the God who is sending us out. In the passage that was read today, it says, go. He is sending us out. That's the mission he has for us and this church. So it is in our bulletin, but our mission begins by saying we exist to glorify God. God is ascending God, but God in the beginning sends us to glorify him. The end result of any Missio Dei is the glorification of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. If you're interested, Paul says, in anything you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. And secondly, we are sent to bless our neighbor. In Romans 15, 2, it says, let us each of us please their neighbor for their own good to build them up. So we have a call to bless. And even when God would send Abram, before he changed his name to Abraham, he would say, go and I will make you a huge nation and you will be a blessing. Blessing to who? To other nations. So God sends us to be a blessing and the third part of our mission statement through the making of disciples for christ that's how we bless that's how we go we make disciples that's a challenge have you been discipled that's a good challenge but if you have been have you been discipling and people whose faiths dry out my i always see this that's the question I ask. Have you been discipled? Have you been discipling? If one of those two are missing or if both are missing, 
inevitably your faith will dry out. You are not carrying out the mission of God. And when we don't do the things that we are made to do, our communion with God starts breaking apart. Do you see how all of this is correlated? It's connected. Are you being discipled? And are you discipling? And if not, it's no wonder your faith is drying up. You could always say, because of this circumstance, because of this circumstance, my life is hard. And then you will see that your faith starts to dry up. But we were meant to go and make disciples. Discipling and being making disciples of Christ is the best thing we can do because it's the best thing we have received. If you go to someone in need and you know this person has a deep need, would you not, if it were in your power and you really love that person, want to give that person the best thing you can offer them? What is the best thing we have received as Christians? Is it not Jesus Christ? So he says, Go and give the best you can give. Give me. Make disciples of me. When there was an earthquake in Haiti, a lot of people went. A lot of people went. Even people from our church went. Um, I know a lot of missionaries that went over. And then I would see things like on Facebook and um, on the Internet, like memes or, you know, little pictures uh, saying we just need your food and water or they just need your food and water leave your proselytizing back at home they were saying look i want you to come and just focus on the people's needs which are food and water and help but not jesus christ don't bring all that bible thumping business here don't bring all that jesus jargon here just bring your food and water. And I was thinking about it. If I really, really love these people, isn't the answer Jesus Christ? Because wasn't Jesus Christ the answer to my life? When I was, like I said last week, in the muck, in the mire, wallowing in my own self-pity, in the mud, who saved me? Was it not Jesus so if I were to go to someone also in the muck and mire, wallowing in the mud of just despair, would I not want to give them my best, what I have received, which changed my life totally? Would it not be Jesus? We don't realize throughout history the world was changed because of Jesus. And I've talked even from the very beginning Orphanages are Christian. Wet nurses coming in and taking up rows of babies just laid on the street because they couldn't do abortions back then. So they would just have the babies and put it on the street. And there were streets, just roads with just babies laid there for them to die. And who came? Christian wet nurses would come, pick them up. Why is it that the Christian population suddenly decreased when there was a plague and it didn't hit that Christian population? Isn't it because in this city, when the plague hit, Christians would come and stay with these people and minister to them, try to help them, and then they even died with them? See, justice and helping people, social justice is 
a Christian idea. Back then, people didn't even think about that. If you are weak, you deserve to die. If you're a woman, you're not a full man, so you are not equal to a man. But then who changed it all? Wasn't it Jesus who talked to women, who went to the sick, who went to the young children and said, you are important. Don't let, any, don't let anybody block these children from coming to me. Yesterday marked the 70th anniversary of the Korean Independence Day. And you have to remember that video that we saw was so important. Because even though I was born and raised here, I am by blood Korean. My parents and my grandparents and my great-great-grandparents, they were all from Korea. My ancestors were from Korea. And I was blessed because of their faith. And I want to tell you, you are blessed because of the Christian faith in Korea. In fact, the world was blessed because God, in his mercy and faithfulness, decided to save Korea. Korea is known as one of the countries with the highest liter literacy rates in the entire world. Some people say it's because of our language is so easy to learn, which is true. It's very true. But there was an invader. The Japanese Imperial Army came into Korea and they systematically tried to destroy Korean culture, language, and heritage. Changed their last names, changed the language that could be spoken in school, tried to change everything. How did Korean culture, language even survive? If you think about it and if you look at history, you see that after, after, after yesterday, 70 years ago, there was a boom in Korea. Revival struck. And after that revival, it is unheard of in world history where you see in one generation a country going from a third world nation to a first world nation. Unheard of. Unheard of. In fact, India who is suffering from being a third world nation and now is trying to boom their economy, their politicians will go up and say, we want to be like Korea. We can do it. If Korea can do it, we can do it. And then you would, there is, there's a person uh, called Lauren Cunningham who is the founder of YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And Lauren Cunningham, when he heard this, he stood up and pointed right at the politician and said, not without Jesus. Of course, he told me that he was pointing at the TV screen at the time, but he was very, very just passionate that it is because of Jesus, Korea was revived. One generation, you went from third world, we were barely eating rice, and now we could eat anything we want. Well, how does that happen? It's because of Jesus that happened. Don't you see that? Our history is saturated with blessing because God blessed it. And now we are at least always either number two to number five. Number one is always the U.S. Number two to number five nation that sends out missionaries. This tiny little nation is number two to number five in the world consistently every year that sends out missionaries. You go to almost any country, there's a Korean missionary. Can India do it? Yes, India can do it with Jesus. The best thing Christians can offer the world is the best thing you have received. 
the best thing you can offer the world is the Christ that you received in your heart. We are not some privileged group of people. Oh, I'm saved and you're not. Poor you. But if you want to join this exclusive club, maybe we'll give it a shot. We'll take resumes. We are not that. We are a people that have been saved solely by grace when we didn't deserve to be saved. Why do you think the Koreans were able to keep their literacy, their culture? Guess what was printed? We, we, we saw it last week. Guess what was printed in 1910? The Bible was printed and it was starting to be distributed. And when people try to eradicate Korean language books, uh, anything in writing, guess what people kept because of their faith? And they read it underground in the quiet saying, I am still a Christian. I will not let go of my beliefs. Guess what was read in what language? Why do you think God has preserved this country? Isn't it because of his grace and his mercy that we're all here? So what's the best thing that we can give out? Isn't it the Christ that you have received? That is our mission. God sent himself, his son, to the earth to die for us. He walked on this earth. And when we are filled with all these terrible things, and a lot of us, we have no choice but to make mistakes and to sin. Am I right? Sometimes you're like, if I do this, this bad thing will happen. If I do this, this other bad thing will happen. I catch 22, I'm done, I'm done. There is no way I could escape this. But God sends his son, perfect in all his ways. He was never caught in sin because he never sinned. Perfect. And when we saw someone perfect, we killed him. (laughs) We didn't know what to do with him. We killed him. But God rose. He raised him up from the dead. And he is our Lord and Savior. And he still saves lives today. This very moment. If you just receive him into your heart. He is the one that comes in and changes it. Take that bitterness, that anger, that self-denial, confusion, anxiety, the stress. And he wants to replace that with the goodness he has for the world. So God sends us now his church, just as he sent Christ into the world. And he sends us not alone, but he sends us with the Holy Spirit. And he says, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, And behold, I'm with you always. He doesn't leave us alone. I am with you. Take that step. Take that chance. That coworker that's been on your heart, that school friend that's been just suffering and you believe God just wants to minister to that person with you, take the chance and see if God won't be with you. He will be with you. That's the promise he gave us. So go. Go. 
This is the call to you. This is the call to our church. This is our Missio Day. Let's pray. God, we ask that you ascend us your Holy Spirit now to comfort us and to strengthen us where mere words and ideas and platitudes cannot satisfy, we know that you can satisfy. You can give us true shalom. So, Lord, be with your people. Encourage us so that we can go and bring you to all the nations, all areas of our life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
pray and then receive the charge. Lord God, we just want to thank you once again for meeting us here, meeting us where we are. And so, Lord God, we ask that you continue to be with us. Here's the charge. Go, therefore, and make disciples of Christ, blessing your neighbors, including your family, friends, peers, and coworkers, thereby glorifying our maker, whose image we all bear. Amen.